I think within the context of sustainable operations specifically, I think in the near future, what you'll see is a forced transparency by regulation, by company policy, or really just a strong business need from all stakeholders involved to know what's going on at the operational level and work to optimize that. Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain podcast. My name is Richard Howells. I'm a Vice President for Thought Leadership for SAP's ERP Finance and Supply Chain Solutions. And today I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Nicole. Hi, everyone. I'm Nicole Slide, and I'm a blogger, marketer, and podcaster in the supply chain space here at SAP. So today we're in store for a great conversation as we dive into the world of sustainable operations with our guest, Mike Censorado. So welcome, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us today, and it is so great to have you on. To just kick us off, could you take a quick moment to introduce yourself to our listeners and give a little insight into what you do today? Sure. This is Mike Sensorato. I'm the Global Solution Manager for the SAP EHS portfolio of applications that we have. I own go-to-market strategy. In that role, also support sales, help manage the partner ecosystem for EHS, and provide input to the product teams when I can. As far as background, I've worked in the EHS software space for over 25 years now, and the vast majority of that has been focused on the SAP products. Awesome. We have an expert on our hands, so I'm excited for today's conversation. But to kick us off and really set the stage for our listeners, Mm -hmm. how would you describe the current state of sustainability across companies and shareholders worldwide? Like Mm -hmm. what trends and challenges are you seeing? I think to help maybe describe current state, we can kind of review a little bit of history. So I've been focused maybe personally on this topic since maybe the early 90s as a teenager. You know, back then the topic wasn't top of mind for most people. And as time has gone on, you see these like waves of progress, interest and action, and then backtracking. And it kind of ebbs and flows. And, you know, that can be caused by political shifts and economic events like the 2008 Great Recession, where right before that, the economy was strong, oil prices were very high. It was just a lot of momentum around starting to really look closely at things like carbon emissions and efficiency and things like that. And then as soon as that event happened, obviously companies had to really put their focus on driving their business and making sure they remained afloat. Right now, we've kind of had a wave and maybe it's crested a little bit and and there's a little bit of backlash on ESG. There's economic risks out there. There's geopolitical problems like the war in Ukraine. It's made it harder, you know, even compared to a couple of years ago, it's made it that much harder to kind of prioritize and invest in sustainability performance improvement for companies and governments alike, or even consumers. I think the same thing happened, Mike, after the pandemic, because I think sustainability was again, starting to take shape and people were starting to Mm -hmm. really take it seriously. And then the pandemic hit and then all bets were off again. But interesting, the pandemic actually forced conversations around how companies were operating, how they were treating people, the disruptions around supply chain that we saw forced new thinking, new conversations overall. And and I think things were still kind of moving forward. And you saw some of the regulations come out of that time period a few years ago. But even in the last six months or even in the last 12 months, it's changed a little bit. And maybe things have slowed down, at least temporarily, and we'll, we'll see where things go. There's still a lot of progress, but 
again, there, those waves are happening. And again, all these different events, all these different factors can impact what goes on. And again, current state is that progress is being made, but a little bit of a change right now. We'll see where that goes, let's say in the next 12 months. The topic of this session is around sustainable operations and we're getting mm. pressure from all areas to be more sustainable as businesses and as individuals, mm -hmm. but we're focusing on the business aspect for this discussion. And I think one of the areas of, I say, it's not necessarily low hanging fruit, but things that are without a control are the operations of our business. What exactly do you mean when you say sustainable operations? And what are some ways where companies can begin to make these sustainable changes within their organizations where they have control? So if, if you search on that term, sustainable operations, or ask a, an AI chatbot, you're going to get like hundreds of different definitions. It's a generic term. I know because I've done it. You know, I was trying to help validate our perspective at SAP on this topic and try to put a box around this term. So after about a year of iterations, we now look at sustainable operations as something within the context of supply chain, as opposed to the broader themes of sustainability overall. And it encompasses manufacturing, EHS, obviously, logistics, and maybe asset management. It's not necessarily focused on product lifecycle. It's not focused on the business planning aspect. It's what's happening within the facilities on the shop floor, focus on those integrated processes at that level and the data being generated at that level that really ends up being ultimately a driver of corporate sustainability performance at the top. As your facilities are working or let's say as your operations are going, that's all going to reflect in your corporate sustainability performance. And so again, those main buckets of topics or processes or whatever, but manufacturing, EHS, all the logistical processes, and then managing your equipment and your assets. And the inherent integration between those that are either happening or should be happening within an organization. And I think that it's not a coincidence that a lot of the, the SAP digital supply chain software applications reflect that integration or the need for that integration. And I think that SAP is uniquely positioned to drive improvements at that operational level because we're collecting all that transactional data across the enterprise and, and through the business network. How can companies... You know, what can they do to start that? I think that first thing is, and it's kind of cliche, but it's break down silos between business processes and see where both qualitative and quantitative insight you know, can be gained from integrating it. Whether that's detailed production data from manufacturing, how does that show opportunities to reduce material input or maybe the waste outputs? HR data on shift scheduling may optimize workloads, which can help to reduce injury rates for employees. And then even something basic, like just optimizing transportation planning to drive a direct reduction in energy consumption and the related carbon emissions. Those are some great insights. And I think when companies start to really look at that sustainability initiative within their operations or within just their corporate planning, you mentioned breaking silos, the HR data, the transportation mm -hmm. planning, a lot of it they see it as a future target. They want to become net zero by 2050, or they're trying to see how sustainability can be that driving force in their business transformation. Mm -hmm. But what are your thoughts on these initiatives? Do you think there needs to be a stronger push for changes made in present day rather than those, you know, 30 to 40 years out? That's a great question. And, and there's people around the world asking that. And, and my thought is, why wait till 2050? You know, obviously, there are many 
rational reasons why it might take that long to really make significant changes and, and achieve such a goal. But there's a fine line between a realistic approach to success and just simply pushing off any real action. The fact of the matter is, is that most of the pledges made to achieve net zero by 2050, they're somewhat nebulous, you know, with no specific mechanism for accountability and no regulations behind them, right? We have to hope that these companies and the government agencies that are also pledging this, they're making these commitments and we have to hope that they're successful in hitting that goal. We really won't know for 25 years from now, you know? And again, I, I say that it's kind of negative, but there's obviously progress. There's companies doing the right thing and, and they are making progress, but you can see conflicting articles or conflicting studies on any given day where one shows that 75% of the Fortune 500, they've all pledged something, but only 25% of those companies actually have any investment so far or have any plan in place, right? But there's other studies showing that more companies than ever are doing something. So we'll see where that goes. But I think that with all that as a backdrop, the focus on operations does enable a more tangible and immediate benefit or immediate progress, right? Instead of worrying about net zero in 2050, it's like, let's try to reduce energy consumption across the enterprise by 10% in the next 18 months, right? Let's do that. Let's do something now that is, again, maybe more realistic, more tangible, and make some progress as opposed to just relying on this longer timeline and let's say bigger changes that may or may not come. It's not energy, maybe it's waste. There's certain industries where it's really tough to reduce their carbon emissions without making wholesale changes to what they do. Maybe they can focus on the waste problem in the short term. Maybe they can focus on employee wellness and safety, things like that. And again, one thing to mention that's really important is it's not a secret that most operational improvements made to be more sustainable, they also reduce costs and they may increase profitability, right? If you're reducing, let's say, energy inputs, like the energy consumption per unit of production or per number of widgets created or per unit of revenue, however you want to measure it, reducing some of those cost inputs, that's obviously helping your profitability. It's reducing risk. And so it's not just about the sustainability angle, right? That there's obviously benefit to that, but for the business itself, if companies can find ways to make positive changes and then help their business overall from a mm -hmm. business standpoint. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think you made such a great point too about why focus so much on the future when, like you said, you can make those actions and those changes today? Because yeah. in 20 years, there's going to be a whole new set of generations of workers yeah. and they're going to come in not knowing what promises were made 25 years prior. How can you make sure if we're not living up to those promises made back now in 2024, who's to say that they could then push it to 2070, 2080? Yeah. You know, you can go every 20, 30 years making new promises at Point, but you have to have those workers making sure that those companies and corporations are staying true to their word as well. Yeah, I think it's also a more pragmatic approach in that it's great to have audacious claims for 2050, but how are we getting there? What are the stepping stones? How are we going to report the progress that we're making year over year in our annual reports? And I think that's where sustainable operations come into play as well. I assume you agree, Mike. Yeah, it's about execution. You set that goal and that strategy for 2050. That, that's great. And it's like, okay, well, what are you doing now? Do something now within your business to make a change that shows some progress. And then what that does is it starts to justify the investments. Your organizational culture overall starts to change as they start to see progress. 
they'll build trust within the corporation too, within its employees, because a lot of people, they want to work for a sustainable company. They want to invest in a sustainable company. So if they actually can see those actions and the data and the improvement, then it's just a different ballgame at that point. Well, that concept of trust leads on to the, the next question of what's driving sustainability. Because I see it coming from all angles. I mean, as consumers, everyone on this call wants to buy from a sustainable product from a company that's ethically sourcing their material and ethically producing mm -hmm. their material. And as Nicole just mentioned, as shareholders, I'm looking at the sustainability indexes for making decisions about investing in companies. And the employee of the future wants to work for a sustainable company. And you need proof at every step of the way. But the other big thing that whether they want to do it or not, regulations will play a huge part moving forward and are playing a huge part now. So how are you seeing regulations shaping sustainable operations today and in the future? So the first thing to state is that regulations will be needed in most situations to at least trigger positive change. We'll see how that evolves, but I think to get things moving in the right direction, regulations are needed. However, we would like to see companies strive to be more sustainable because again, their organizational culture kind of dictates it and that they really do see that the, the business case is easy to make because you, you've got opportunities to reduce costs, increase profits and protect your brand, right? And so we'll see how that balance evolves over time of regulations needed to set certain things in place and maybe to trigger action and kind of drive accountability. But then over time, is it easier for companies to keep it going and keep making progress because there's a business imperative to do so? Uh, I think that specifically for sustainable operations you know, at the operational level, I don't know if we'll see significant increases or let's say more stringent regulations overall. I think that there's already a lot of laws in place regarding like worker safety, environmental compliance, waste disposal, quality and manufacturing, product compliance, chemical storage, all those things are there regardless of sustainability because companies have to operate safely. They have to operate within certain communities and things like that. So all those laws are kind of driving companies to focus on items and topics that are relevant to sustainability metrics. You have to report safety incidents per regulation, but you're also reporting that incident statistic to the Global Reporting Initiative for sustainability. I think that final comment on regulations, regulations have mainly been focused on transparency at the enterprise level and maybe around taxation frameworks. So getting down to operations, there hasn't been quite the need there because again, there, a lot of those laws already exist that kind of drive the right action or behavior. So Mike, who are the trailblazers that you see leading the way? What are some examples of companies that have implemented sustainable operations in the supply chain space? Generally speaking, you're not going to see like an RFP or like a funded initiative for something called sustainable operations. This ends up being kind of like a higher level program or mindset of harmonizing systems, breaking down silos, as I talked about before. But having said that, there are a lot of customer examples where They've leveraged like the inherent integration between, let's say, EHS and asset management, or they're monitoring assets and, and equipment data to optimize production and manufacturing, or maybe reduce energy consumption, things like that. So it's happening, but it, you may not see it called sustainable operations. That's not necessarily how they're doing it. One other step of this is around the reporting and analytics piece and, and the outputs. 
where we have tools such as sustainability footprint management or sustainability control tower that are, let's say, the recipients of all of this data. Well, that's ultimately the challenge, isn't it? Is how do you show that you're doing it? You need the data. Yes. There's a lot of active projects, strong consumer products companies in North America, one of the largest oil companies in the world in Latin America, energy companies in Australia, and even public sector and railway customers in Europe that have all driven an implementation that kind of espouse these ideas, right? Of, of maximizing integration across some different areas, uh, all in the focus of trying to drive more sustainable practices and operations. Awesome. That's great. It's good to know that this can be multi-industry. It's not just in manufacturing. It's not just the typical where you think of supply chain, you think of those specific yeah. industries, but really can go across any type of company and corporation. And that's the best part about it because some companies may think that it won't be applicable to them. So people are now looking to start that journey. If other companies are really looking to improve their journey towards sustainable operations, what advice would you give them if they're really at that ground zero or maybe even, you know, the yep. first level, second level? And of course, how can SAP help as well? Yep. Good question. I think that most companies have existing programs in place or initiatives driving operational excellence, right? Driving transformation. And I think that first thing really is make sure those remain in motion and maybe even bolster those programs because the actions being taken within those programs will most likely align with what's needed to improve sustainability performance. And then from there, you want to ensure that all the processes in place, all the initiatives being driven are auditable when necessary, and that they're transparent to all stakeholders, especially employees, with the purpose of showing progress, justifying the investment, and creating support within the culture of the organization to keep it going. You want that transparency, and I say auditability when necessary, because depending on certain stakeholders, whether it's a government agency or ESG investors, all the data you're collecting and, and all the calculations and all the analysis, all that stuff, it's like they do expect that at the transactional level, all of this is legitimate. Everything that you're publicly claiming or posting is real and accurate. And, and eventually we get the signatures by CFOs and CEOs on this data. And so you want to make sure the processes and the systems are fully auditable. As far as where SAP can help or where SAP is relevant, it's implement the management systems, the software applications, and the analytics to get the real-time insight across all those processes, across all the facilities and the workforce, and, and keep tabs on how the enterprise is performing, and then make course corrections as needed from there. And we have some of that within, let's say, the transactional system or modules like EHS or asset management or manufacturing. And you also have some of that within solutions like sustainability control tower, where you may be collecting all this performance information, but you're then setting certain goals, you're tracking against those goals, and maybe getting to the point where you're doing more of a steering function of making the right changes for further improvement. Great advice. With that in mind, and as we're talking about the future of supply chain, I'll ask you the question we ask all of our guests. From your perspective, what's the future of supply chain, especially when we think about sustainable operations? So I could say that there's going to be this monumental shift in how supply chains are managed, <laughs> but I think that it, the recent past really has already triggered that, right? And we talked about the COVID pandemic and the disruption with that, whether it's geopolitical tensions with major players, consumer choices change over time. 
all that's led to some disruption already. And I think we're in the middle of that transformation to something new. But what I will say is I think it's a given that whatever the new paradigm is for supply chain management, it's going to incorporate actions to be more sustainable, to be more resilient. That's going to happen. It is happening. And I think that when we're talking about 2050 versus more immediate change, I think that that disruption that that did happen and the transformation will give us some of those immediate tangible improvements, right? Or that, that progress right away as we have the journey towards 2050. So within the context of sustainable operations specifically, I think in the near future, what you'll see is a forced transparency by regulation, by company policy, or really just a strong business need from all stakeholders involved to know what's going on at the operational level and work to optimize that. That's going to be a key thing. And one thing's for sure, when it comes to sustainability, the future is now, because I think if we don't start acting, there will be nothing to act for. You can't ignore a lot of what's going on. And so it's like scrutiny and urgency have definitely increased and companies have to act and see where that takes us. Well, Mike, thanks for a great conversation. It's been very interesting. That was great. Thanks for the time. No problem. And thanks everyone for listening. Please mark us as a favorite and you can get regular updates and information about future episodes. But until next time, from Mike, Nicole and I, thanks for discussing the future of supply chain.